Next, we have with us a guest who has actually blown my mind. When I met this gentleman, it was at an event last Tuesday where they had all these people in a pizza parlor in Howard County, north of Washington, D.C., and it was standing room only. I mean, you couldn't get in the place. They had this amazing group of people, including Jennifer Lester, who you've heard on here is the attorney working on the case against University of Maryland on behalf of students who have said, I should not have to get the poke in order to be educated. You know, I've already got my money. I've already got my, I've been admitted to the college. Now you're telling me one more barrier to my education is getting the jab. So there's a group of students who are saying, no, we're not doing that. And oh, by the way, we know that it's dangerous for young people. There have been young people who have died with enlarged hearts. Okay, that's not me making that up. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's the truth. So I thought, what better way than to have somebody who has the expertise to speak to you about this? And this will be the beginning of a conversation that will continue over the next few shows because this is really important. So welcome to the show, Jonathan Butler. Hi, Jan. How are you? And how is everyone? Uh, we're doing great. And I, first of all, I think you're amazing. We, in, in, in all disclosure here, Jonathan and I spoke for, gosh, almost an hour yesterday. I was so fascinated by everything he he has studied and learned and how it is relevant, frankly, to what we're dealing with. So, Jonathan, you are an attorney. You are a biologist. You work around science all the time. Tell us a little bit about what you see in, in your background that's relevant to what we're dealing with with this uh, vaccine and it's I put vaccine in air quotes the drug mandates uh, and then we'll go into the whole thing about the students go ahead okay not a problem so in, in terms of my background um as we spoke yesterday I'm a I'm actually a scientist a vaccinologist um, attended Johns Hopkins uh, you know obtained graduate degrees in uh, biostatistics and bioscience and then of course became an attorney uh, following that and um this is just a very, very interesting uh, position uh, that citizens are being placed in. Uh, when I examine this vaccine and the scientific knowledge that I have and my understanding of the law and then my experience being, you know, a federal uh, judicial, you know, intern as well within the Court of Federal Claims, you know, when I start hearing uh, terms, uh, you know, preceding then mandate, uh, my spidey senses start to go a little bit haywire. And when we look at this vaccine, I'm going to part, not even necessarily the vaccine, but let's just start with the virus specifically, the fact that it is an RNA-based virus, which has a high prevalence for mutation, we really have to ask the question, do we want to go down a course mandating a treatment measure for something that is highly unstable? And that's where, of course, from a liberty right from a preservation of self, from the identification of adverse effects identified by the CDC, from myocarditis to even right now reporting of Guillain-Barre syndrome, I would make the argument that this should remain voluntary to the society. And that's why I stand. Okay. I, I, I might even take it a step further, but you're way smarter than I am, uh, that why even have it when you've had 
thousands and thousands of people die. So there have been other vaccines that they shut down with far fewer deaths because it was, quote, dangerous. And what we call the the VAERS report, which is the vaccine, let me see if I can get it right, Vaccine Adverse Effects Report. Reporting system. There you go. The VAERS Mm -hmm. system tells us all the different adverse effects of various vaccines. So the one that you, when we looked at this with Barkey, Dr. Barkey, it was very serious what people are uh, encountering after the fact of taking this vaccine. So why why is it allowed to continue when other vaccines have been shut down with far fewer deaths? And, and you know, and that's a, and I think that's a, a very valid question to ask. Um, I will say from a professional perspective, and this in no way, uh, you know, I don't believe that the VAR system should be diminished in any way. But so let's be clear. What is this system? Right. So this system is a self-reporting uh, system where those who have actually been inoculated um, with the vaccine or those who have been inoculated with the biologic they can actually report to the system any type of adverse effects they're um, having or their clinician also has access to report in this system as well. So there tends to be professionally this idea to diminish somewhat the value of that system because the idea is that when the professionals chose to release this vaccine under an emergency use authorization, that undergoing first phase one clinical trials, which was for safety, and phase two clinical trials, which were for efficacy, certain adverse events would have been identified in the clinical trial process. But I want to be very clear, and this is where the statistics, you know, side of me come in. You know, the reality is the larger your sample size, alongside the diversity of population of that sample size that's actually inoculated, the more you're going to see. And that's why when you typically undergo biologics approval or even drugs approval, you actually take it through all clinical trials, both phase one, phase two, and phase three with a larger sample group so you can actually see that. In this specific instance here where we only went to phase two clinical trials and it was released under an emergency use authorization, it is actually not peculiar that you're seeing these adverse events arise and they're being reported in the VIAR system because you never had a population sample that large or that diverse inoculated to begin with. And that's concerning because now we want to mandate this for an even larger populace and a more diverse populace. Wow. Okay. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. Break. I want everybody to stay tuned because there's more to come. This is very important information that Jonathan's giving us, and we need to be educated and informed before we make decisions that can alter or end our life using medicine. You're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now, and KW Photography Design. We'll be right back. When was the last time you had fresh homemade ice cream? Sweeties on the Creek is making ice cream. Stop in and taste our fresh-made selections, including dairy-free and all-natural flavors. Enjoy a fresh cup of coffee with creamy shaker sundae. Taste a new fun flavor or an old yummy favorite. Sweeties, fresh made from cow to cone. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. We're scooping now. Join us on Restaurant Row Creekside. 
Enjoy great restaurants, including La Casona with fresh Tex-Mex favorites and happy hour weekday specials. Or Truth and Beauty, offering unique, tasty American fare and brunch. Stop by Sweeties on the Creek for yummy, fresh-made ice cream, frozen desserts, sweet treats, and plush toys. The Carroll Creek Parking Deck is right next door. Great food, fun times. Come visit us at Creekside. A picture's worth a thousand words. Capture your wedding memories in stunning photography by Kara Wynn at KW Photography Design in a price you can afford. Here's what a bride had to say. Working with Kara for our wedding was easy and the pictures are phenomenal. I'm so glad we chose KW Photography Design. Call Kara at 240-344-3224 or visit kwphotographydesign.com. Making your memories last a lifetime. Are you ready to lighten up, tighten up, shed, and shred with plant-based protein? Antioxidant fruits, organic greens, and veggies, plus gut health, for a fraction of the cost you are already spending. This super 30-day program may support you to build muscle, burn fat, reset metabolism, lift brain fog, Increase productivity, break addictions, nourish, detoxify, and cleanse. Are you ready to look and feel your best? Replace 60 organic meals for only $11 a day with live, organic, non-GMO superfood nutrition delivered right to your door. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to superfoodswithjen.com. It's all about your car. Call in with questions to Dave Serio, beginning in less than 30 minutes, right here on 930 WFMD. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and I have with me this morning Jonathan Butler, who is an attorney and a scientist and a brilliant mind who comes from a background at Hopkins. So you bring tremendous value on this conversation called Should We or Shouldn't We? take the jab. And I think that, you know, we were talking before about this idea of informed consent. You know, if you have all of these issues around this, this medical procedure, we'll call it, that mm-hmm. may or may not be uh, as effective as we like, and it's in a trial stage until 2022, everybody knows that at this point, uh, then you know, then we really don't know how our body will react to it. And we've seen the effects of it. And it's and it's killed. I believe it's at this point over 10,000 people. So it's a although it may be a bigger number. I, I know that the um, concern out there is it's it's higher than it would be percentage wise. And we, when we're dealing in statistics, it's confusing. Right. But if it's a percentage of a of a number. Is that percentage greater than the percentage of previous types of things? So I think that's where part of the concern is. But I want to get back to this idea of giving people hope that and 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 choice. So here we are. We've got students um, who are faced with I can't get my education unless I take this experimental drug that may or may not harm me. What do you say to the parents who are listening or friends of young people who are who are concerned with this? How do we empower them in having informed 
choice? You know, it's it's real. You know, this is a topic that I'm, I'm really passionate about. I mean, I had a chance to uh, meet and speak with Jennifer Lester. I mean, one thing that we both agreed on is that students and people should have a choice when it comes to what they put and do with their bodies. And that is very, to me, that is a very, very important choice. I mean, I, I have to be candid. I am a first-generation uh, student, you know, was able to attend universities, you know, with scholarships and, and what have you. And, you know, to now hear that students will basically have to foreclose on their future potential because they are competent and capable to enroll in the university, yet not competent and capable to make a decision as it relates to their own bodies. That is, uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point. And I think that's why, you know, our legal minds, you know, are coming together here to really assess, you know, why is this mandate, one, even being thought about? And then, two, is there a legal justification for it when you start to look at the data surrounding this specific infectious disease and compare it to what the case law suggests would be the initial intent for why this type of law was put into place or why these rulings were put into place? Um, what I would say, I'm sorry for being long-winded, but yeah, what okay. I would say is that people have to realize that this is a very, very long fight. I remember, you know, and I'm also like say, I'm I'm candid about, it, you know, I'm an African American taking. I remember taking civil rights in law school, and this is a very, very, in my opinion, similar movement here. Where when you think of, you know, in my case, one of my role models, Thurgood Marshall, going to churches, going to the grassroots, asking for funding to fight laws, which the society could see and people could see this is not right. This is akin to the women's suffragist movement saying women deserve a right to vote in this country. This is the same exact type of movement where we are saying that you have a right to choose what to do with your body in speaking with whom you trust as your learning intermediary professional, your doctor, your pharmacist, in making that choice. And no one should intervene in that decision-making process. Please make your drugs and biologics and vaccines available, but do not tell me that I have to take it under these specific set of circumstances, which may not be consistent with the intent of the law. Beautifully said. And, you know, I want to speak to what you said about the pharmacists, because I know firsthand from doctors who have said, the pharmacists refused to to fill the prescriptions requested by the doctors for ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. And I believe it was in order to forward the notion that they had to do an emergency use authorization because there was no adequate treatment, which was a lie. We know that it works. We've ha- I've had doctors on here who have treated, and we'll have Dr. Mark Sherwood back again, but, you know, who said... They've treated people with no deaths by giving them the proper treatments and protocols using these medicines that the pharmacists are now in cahoots, I think, with the pharmacies, I mean, the pharmaceutical companies, not giving people access to the medicines that will treat them. And then we wonder why the death rate is what it is, or people have died when they didn't have to. So there is blood on the hands of these pharmacists who are refusing 
to fill prescriptions from the professional doctors who have asked them to do what they're told and fill the script. So I just want to get that out there because on one hand, we're saying give people the choice that you don't have to take a drug, but also give them access to a drug if indeed the physician says this is what I'm prescribing for my patient. Thoughts about right, that? Right. Right. I mean, well, I think I, I think where where we're having a discussion here is again, you know, this is not a, a you know when we talk about the idea of choice, it is very important that we realize that when it comes to us being you know attorneys and having clients, patients to physicians, those are conversations that really, really have to be had at that level. And that's really a question that I believe that when you speak of physicians and their relationships with pharmacists who dispense and review and look at contraindications related to drugs, they should have that conversation because I don't believe that most, and and this is just a, a belief that I have, I don't believe that most people really thought that their pharmacists could deny a drug that was legally and perceived to be legitimately prescribed by their physician. So really what we're talking about here is at this point, you know, I would make the argument that pharmacists do have a duty to inform customers that retrieve medication from them that pharmacists may have an obligation or a duty to deny what the um, physician has prescribed. But and then oh, let me say this. Hold right. on, let me cut in because we're run, we're almost to the top of the show. And I'm going to have you back, Jonathan, but I want people to know you can tell that pharmacy pharmacist, then I will take my script elsewhere. Exactly. Take your business elsewhere. So I wanted, to, there's so much to cover with you, but you mentioned earlier, and I want people to understand, and you've got about 30 seconds to say it, court okay. of, court of federal uh, claims what yes. what is that again? We've got we just got a twenty seconds. So can you just give okay. people what so the that court is? Of federal, so the court of federal claims has an office of special masters, and that's where you are able to bring a petition for injury associated with scheduled vaccines. But I want to be clear that the COVID nineteen vaccine is not a vaccine injury protection program covered vaccine. So you cannot bring that action if you're injured, and there right now tends to be very limited liability associated with injury or death as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccine. How convenient. How convenient. They've washed their hands of any responsibility. Jonathan, I want to thank you so much. Any parting words, any words of wisdom we're going to? Well, there it is. It's top of the show. Jonathan, we'll have you back. We'll talk more about this. You guys, it's really important that you get informed and you have a choice on who you do business with. If you're not getting what you need from your doctor, try AmericasFrontlineDoctors.com. They will do telehealth medicine. Try a different pharmacy. We love you. Have a great week. Next Saturday morning right here on Free Talk 930 WFMD.